Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's Nightside with Dan Ray on WBZ, Boston's News Radio. Welcome back. Thank you very much, Dan Watkins. And uh, we are about eight days or seven and a half days away from, believe it or not, the Massachusetts State primary. Labor Day is a week from today. Some people think that's the end of summer. I don't. I think it goes to at least Columbus Day, maybe Thanksgiving. But who am I? Who am I to say that? However, we do know that the Massachusetts primary is next Tuesday, a week from tomorrow. And who better to, to uh, take a, a preview of that event than longtime WBC TV political analyst, good friend John Keller. John, welcome to Nightside. How are you? I'm good, Dan. How are you doing? Doing just great. Doing just great. As a matter of fact, I was reading your article today. I, I guess it's uh, a long-form article in um, Boston Magazine called The Purpling of Massachusetts. Uh, and the the, the, the sub-explanation, I guess, is the true blue Democratic establishment has long had a lock on Massachusetts politics. Talk to voters, though, and you'll hear stories of alienation and frustration over a whole range of issues inside the making of a purpling Massachusetts. Look, you wrote a book a long time ago about Massachusetts, the bluest of the blue states in the Union. Um, I want to talk about the the article first, but obviously I want to talk about the primaries uh, that are coming. Let's yeah. talk about the article. The article is uh, is just out this this month's edition of Boston Magazine, correct? Right, the August issue, and you can also uh, read it online. Um, what's going on? I mean, when you talk about the purpling of well, Massachusetts, it sounds like there may be some changes going on. Well, uh, you know, I wouldn't get my hopes up if I were Massachusetts Republicans. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's nothing happening imminently for them for a variety of reasons, which we can go into, Dan. But look, when I uh, wrote that, uh, you know, people are, are feeling alienated, uh, that, that's nothing new to you or, or your nightside listeners. You hear it every night on your program. Sure do. Uh, but uh, what I uh, uh, editor Chris Vogel and I kind of had a meeting of the minds on our sense that discontent, uh, particularly after a couple of years of controversial pandemic policies uh, with inflation going on and all sorts of other issues kind of bubbling up, uh, had had reached well beyond, if you'll pardon the expression, you know, uh, conservatives, uh, conservative-leaning moderates, if you will, the talk show crowd, okay? Uh, and so I interviewed mainly liberal Democrats, self-described progressives, including some people who were, you know, in the dictionary next to liberal, there's, there's their picture. Mm -hmm. uh, super liberal people who, on a number of important issues... Uh, have really uh, lost faith 
in the Democratic establishment to adequately represent them and don't like the way they're being dealt with when they try to speak out about these issues. So we cover a whole range of subjects in the article. I won't uh, relitigate the whole thing, but uh, something is definitely happening. It's the kind of thing that I sensed back in the late 80s uh, that built toward the 1990 election where Republicans made took back the governor's office and made unprecedented gains in the legislature uh, for the modern era. And uh, so it's just something that bears watching. You're well, not going to see the fruits of it this fall, though. No, no, I understand uh, that. Dan. But I'm, I'm wondering if what you're sensing, and I'm just, is that maybe the Democratic Party in Massachusetts uh, is going to solidify their progressive base. I mean, it seems to me that the Democratic Party, if, if we go through some of the races, I mean, let, we can walk through some of the races that we, that will be decided. The one that we know is uncontested is that it is Moore Healy. Moore Healy mm-hmm. is going to be the Democratic nominee for governor um, and, and will be the favorite, I assume, in November, unless... Well, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, let's talk, let's talk about Moore Healy as an no. example. First of all, it's extraordinary in an open race uh, for a gubernatorial candidate to have a, a walk-in in the primary. And an, attorney, really and an attorney general as well. And we all know the history of attorney right. generals or their lack of success in that regard. And when you look at it, the challengers who who uh, fell by the wayside in, in this process with healing, uh, uh, Danielle Allen, the Harvard professor, and Senator Sonia Chang-Diaz, were running from more Healy's left. True. And Healy... Uh, back when she still had competition, and certainly now, if you watch her ads, is doing her best to brand herself as a moderate, at least within the context of the state Democratic Party. So I think that's kind of telling that while, you know, look, by any definition, Maura Healy is a progressive or a liberal right. in, in most ways, sure. right? Yeah. And certainly she'd be considered ultra-liberal and many other states in this country. But by Massachusetts standards, she's more toward the center than many and certainly brands herself that way. And I think that tells you something about how divided, in a way, the, the Democratic Party is right now. Yeah, I, I must tell you this, my own personal experience with, with Maura Healy, she's probably the most accessible statewide Democratic office holder or statewide holder that I know. Uh, she's been on this program several times uh, and is, whether you agree with her politics or not, she's a very lovely and delightful person to deal with. At least that's been my experience. I don't know if it's been yours as well, but um, she's she's super easy to deal with, um, uh, even though probably my politics and her politics are not exactly identical. She's a very good politician who got in in 2014, you'll recall, by running as the the, the outsider and knocking yes. out Warren Tolman, yes. who was a uh, uh, choice of all the insiders. Right. Uh, that, so that, now she's no, <laughs> yeah, she, she's no longer an outsider by any reasonable definition. But um, you know, people know her. I think they're used to her. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, in spite of really having this walk in. She has felt compelled to court the center 
And I think that, uh, like I say, that that's very telling. We're going to take a quick break. My guest is John Keller, longtime WBZ TV political analyst. If you'd like to um, join the conversation, we're going to talk about uh, several of the state races. Uh, also, we'll take a look at the. Um, there's no U.S. Senate race this year in Massachusetts. There are, of course, all the members of Congress who are elected every two years will stand up uh, and uh, and be probably voted back into office. I don't think I don't see any surprises on that. But I want to hear what John has to say. I'd love to have you join the conversation. Six one seven two five four ten thirty triple eight nine two nine ten thirty. Also six one seven nine three one ten thirty. You watch John on television. Uh, you see how he interviews candidates, does a great job, uh, is very even-handed, has um, moderated uh, several of the major debates over the years. I suspect may end up moderating one or two of them this fall as well. Feel free to um, join the conversation. You can say that you talked to uh, a longtime BZTV political analyst and you expressed your opinions right here on Nightside Back. We're going to get to all the major races, the constitutional races, as they stand. There's only one congress. There's only one um, office that uh, on the Democratic side, besides Maura Healy, uh, Deb Goldberg uh, has no competition either in the Democratic primary or in the Republican. I don't think there's a Republican running for treasurer. So uh, that's the one race that we know what the result is going to be in November. We can call that race tonight, John. Back on Nightside that's right good. after this. Now, back to Dan Ray, live from the Window World Nightside Studios on WBZ News Radio. My guest, longtime WBZ TV political analyst, I'm John Keller. And we are just talking a little politics. The primary election is a week from tomorrow. The last two years, the last two cycles in, um, in, in 2020 and in 2022, the primary ball the the primary in Massachusetts, John, the day after Labor Day. As a matter of fact, I'm not even sure if in 2022 it wasn't a couple, uh, the Tuesday before Labor Day. Um, extremely, extremely early primaries for for Massachusetts. Um, and, and in 18 too, when when uh, Ayanna Presley uh, uh, beat mm-hmm. Mike Capuano, yeah. that was the day after Labor Day primary too. Yeah. Yeah, so it's um, I, I, I think that tends to favor incumbents, um, and I know that some of the conversations uh, uh, revolve around holidays, but people haven't even dropped their bags from vacation. The kids are still they're still right. doing back-to-school shopping. At a time when you want to see people participate in the elections, I think that the, um, the Secretary of the Commonwealth, Mr. Galvin, has some, uh, some, some questions to answer on that, why he has been right. given... Um, I I think kind of a free ride by the two newspapers. Uh, it's his decisions, I believe, that decide when primaries will be held, and it only inures to his benefit as one of the one of the contested races. Am I wrong on that? No, uh, that's a that's a fair question, Dan. I mean, as I recall, his explanation has been that he needs to do it this early in order to avoid conflicts with religious holidays and or uh, uh, overseas voting, military members abroad, making sure that their votes count. But, uh, yeah, it benefits incumbents and people that are better known. It benefits, and I think we may see some of this next Tuesday, uh, people who are up on TV. Because not only is it wicked early in the uh, the season to have this, and right after a a major three-day holiday weekend, 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But, uh, uh, you know, it's also occurring during a time uh, between the pandemic still being around and it being a hot summer. Yes. You know, uh, how many people have been uh, have been schlepping out to uh, political events? Uh, uh, this is a TV uh, campaign, uh, I think, maybe even to a greater extent than some others. So for a candidate like, for instance, Shannon Liss Reardon, in, who's the uh, class action lawyer who's running for the Democratic nomination for attorney general, who's had been willing and able to pour millions of dollars of her own money into TV ads. And you cannot turn on your TV without seeing her lugging that sledgehammer around. Uh, <laughs> You know, that, that I think that's a big plus for the well, list. Let, let's, let's, let's hit a couple of these races. We, we mentioned the Democratic primary, as it were. Sonia uh, Chang Diaz's name is still on the ballot, but that's right. That's academic. Uh, on the lieutenant governor's race on the Democratic side, you have Kim Driscoll, the mayor of Salem. She's been on TV quite a bit, frankly. <laughs> uh, Eric Lesser, a um, state senator from Longmeadow has also, uh, I've seen some spots from him. There's a third mm-hmm. candidate, Tammy Govia. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Govea, I Gouveia. think. Govea, Govea, thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't seen any ads for her, but it looks to me like Driscoll has had a much bigger, uh, at least the TV stations I'm, I'm watching and I flip around. Is that your impression as well? She, she's been the beneficiary of uh, a good deal of PACs, super PAC spending which for people that don't know is uh, uh, organized groups that are not allowed to coordinate with a candidate, but who can run ads supporting a candidate. And uh, Eric Lesser has actually run some ads attacking the funding source of of the pro-Driscoll ads. But these poor candidates, I mean, they've been running around the state for over a year. And there's been some recent polling that shows that almost nobody knows who they are. And, uh, you know, you you know, it's it's sort of sad. And you can try to make that up with a TV ad blitz down the stretch. I'm sure it'll help. But uh, that's one race where I'm I'm really kind of looking at what uh, their their turf is, what their bases are, bases of support and whether there are other races further down the ballot, like for the state senator house that might be drawing candidates out in those areas. I, I think that might well be a, a big factor on primary night in that thing. Yeah. Um, one race that is really interesting, I think, to to you and me, uh, is the Democratic Attorney General's race. Um, I believe, is the, has the Globe making their endorsement tomorrow, as I understand it? They endorsed uh, Andrea Campbell uh, tonight, in yes. fact. Yeah. It's going to so be in tomorrow's paper. Tomorrow. Uh, at yep. the same time, the Democratic establishment, and by that I would mean the the senior senator, uh, the mayor of Boston, uh, and the former acting mayor of Boston, have all forsaken um, uh, city former city councilor Campbell, and are endorsing 
Shannon, Erica, Liz, Reardon. Uh, yeah. It doesn't commute, compute with me. Well, uh, in, and in the meantime, Maura Healy herself has endorsed Campbell, Andrea Campbell. Yeah. Now, I cannot remember. My memory isn't what it once was, Dan. <laughs> but I cannot remember a situation where a sitting attorney general who was leaving office turned around and endorsed in a contested primary their their own successor. Uh, plus, she's got Ayanna Presley is backing Andrea Campbell. And I agree with you. It was it was really an odd sight to see Michelle Wu, uh, Elizabeth Warren out there. And Kim Janey. Endorsing, and, and, and Kim Janey. Right. Out there basically trying to block the nomination of what would be potentially the first female black attorney general in Massachusetts history. It's kind of it's kind of surprising. And. You know, it, 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 the primary results Tuesday night, one thing I'm watching for is how do uh, the black women candidates, Tanisha Sullivan in the Secretary of State's race right, and sure. Campbell in the AG's race, how do they do in an ele- uh, for, with an electorate that, you know, in theory, based on everything we've been reading and hearing over the last couple of years, is looking for opportunities to promote uh, black candidates and particularly black women. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's conceivable. It's conceivable that if the Democrats sweep in November, we could have uh, women as governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, secretary of state. Deb Goldberg is guaranteed of her uh, reelection. Yeah doesn't have an opponent even on the Republican side. Uh, and there's Diana Desaglia running for auditor. Right. Um, so it's conceivable we could have all six constitutional offices for the first time um, held by women. It's, 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 it's very conceivable. Uh, well, but, you know, based, based on my understanding, reinforced by my own wife over the years, that women are vastly smarter than men. That might not be a bad thing, Dan. No, no, no. Let me tell you, I've always, <laughs> I've always believed that. Uh, the other thing, just to touch on the Demo- on the uh, Democrat side, uh, all nine incumbent Democratic members of Congress are running for re-election with no challenger on the ballot against any one of them within their own party. So it is a party that everyone understands where they're supposed to be. <laughs> And uh, uh, there's there's going to be no upset uh, in members of Congress. We'll we'll get to the Republicans and get to some other races as well. Uh, my guest is John Keller, WBC. I say long time, and I don't know if that's a good thing to say anymore or not. But but a a, a great political analyst uh, at WBC TV. I worked with John for many years, and of course follow his work. Um, he does. His Sunday morning uh, interviews are, are must must watch. You had a very interesting uh, interview a week or so ago with the candidates for auditor, Chris Dempsey and Diana DeZoglio. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was that was fun to watch. I got I don't know how fun it was to try to <laughs> control it. But... Well, I no listen. I I love uh, if you watch me moderate debates, Dan. You know, I I I subscribe to the theory of the late great John Henning who I was watching once moderate a debate and the candidates started to go at each other and he looked at them and he said, well, 
you obviously want to gnaw on each other, so why don't you just go ahead? That's a good one. And that's pretty much my, my philosophy as well. If they want to engage, who am I to get in the way? Yeah, no, I, I've done a couple of debates myself, and I like to <laughs> yeah. try to keep it fair. But it's but when it's feisty, that's when it gets real interesting. We'll take a break. If you'd yeah. like to talk with John Keller, we haven't even touched on the Republicans. There's not too much to talk about in the Republicans, but we'll talk about that. And love to have you join the conversation. 617-254-1030, 888-929-1030. This is kind of an opportunity. If you really like one of these candidates and you'd like to make a pitch for them, feel free. Uh, we expect to have some of the candidates on as the week goes on. We're trying to work some things out. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with you telling us who you think would be a great governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, secretary of state, treasurer, or auditor, or for that matter, member of Congress. Back on Nightside. Join the conversation right after this. You're on Nightside with Dan Ray on WBZ, Boston's news radio. My guest is John Keller, WBZ political analyst. And John. Uh, just uh, listening to Nicole uh, Davis's um, broadcast there at the bottom of the hour, I guess there's been some moves made in the city council, Boston City Council, against um, Ricardo Arroyo. Uh, he's a candidate for district attorney. That race all of a sudden has become a very interesting race that you think might um, might get people to the polls, I assume, correct? Well, I mean, first of all, I would hope so, because... Uh, it's a critical job, the Suffolk County DA. I mean, that's the top prosecutor. They're setting policy, uh, relations with the police, uh, uh, particularly with this new police reform that's rolling out on Beacon Hill. Uh, very crucial time for that office. And, uh, you know, Rachel Rollins had a certain direction. She wanted to take that office in. Uh, Arroyo, uh, Ricardo Arroyo, the city councilor, has cast himself as uh, someone who will continue in that direction, very much as Rollins did. Uh, Kevin Hayden, who was appointed by Governor Baker to succeed Rollins and serve out the term, has indicated he'll take a, a somewhat more measured approach, although he's hardly the second coming of Newman Flanagan. So, uh, <laughs> you know, there's a lot at stake. And now all this stuff that's been in the papers uh, that claims that Hayden's uh, office uh, look the other way at an alleged case of uh, transit police brutality, and now the uh, Globe uh, the Globe article uh, claiming that um, Arroyo was twice investigated for rape some years ago, uh, uh, although no charges were ever brought. You know that has obviously stirred the pot big time. Uh, and you know what? If in the end people are drawn out by all the headlines to look at this race and make a call on it. I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. Character matters in, all, in any elected official or leader of any kind. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. 
actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Uh, I think it especially matters for a DA. So uh, if that's good... Go, yeah, I, yeah, go ahead. Sure. I was just going to say, if that's going to be the issue, uh, it's not the worst thing that could happen. Yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, if... The Globe endorses in that race. I suspect they, they will. Um, and I don't see how they can turn around and endorse Arroyo after their news uh, department uh, filed those stories last week. So that's going to be another interesting uh, development. Let's yep. go to the Republican side real quickly. Then I want to get to phone calls. There's only one race uh, on the Republican uh, primary ballot, and that is the race for their candidate for governor. Uh, uh, there's a lieutenant governor's race as well, but uh, they're basically surrogates for the for the two uh, candidates for governor, Jeff Deal and Chris Doty. Um, yeah. What is your sense here? Clearly, you have you know Doty kind of in the in the model of a of a Charlie Baker Republican, uh, although Baker hasn't endorsed in this race, uh, and Jeff no. Deal, uh, who will be joining us on Thursday night. We had Chris Doty on uh, last week. Um, yeah. What is what's your sense there? Well, you just made a great observation that Baker has not endorsed, and there's no indication that he's going to. Uh, and you know if. if <laughs> He, cl- he clearly doesn't support Jeff Deal uh, because Deal is the representative of the Trumpist wing of the party that has been that has taken over party chairman Jim Lyons yep. uh, and so forth. He's endorsed by former President Trump uh, and uh, they hate they hate Charlie Baker and they've made no bones about it. Uh, Rhino, Republican in name only, is one of the nicer adjectives they use to describe Baker. So here's Chris Doty, who essentially is saying, hey, if you like Charlie Baker, you'll like me. Um, Even though it's interesting, he doesn't really take uh, or mention Baker's name that much. I think that speaks to the toxicity of that name within the Republican Party right now. So... um, He's not in uh, Baker's not going to make an endorsement. Doty's not really name checking Baker. I think that tells you all you need to know about where uh, the Massachusetts GOP is right now. And they're not uh, leaning toward the center. That's for sure. Yeah. And I, I think some would argue that it's all an academic exercise because um, Maura Healy would be the overwhelming favorite, whoever the Republicans finally chose to choose to nominate. I mean, that that is what my. My, my sense of the conventional political wisdom is, uh, at least yeah. at this point. And, and if so, you know, that's a big-time choke by the mass GOP. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying there was ever a chance of them making huge gains this year. Uh, Healy was always going to be tough. Uh, uh, Baker was going to be a tough act to follow. But, uh, you know, the, the issue environment, if you'll pardon that expression, Dan, yeah. is conducive to uh, sane, uh, well-branded Republicans uh, getting a look-see from the voters here uh, between inflation and uh, you know discontent with Biden. Uh, right on uh, through the, uh, I think, eyebrow-raising success of the signature-gathering effort to repeal the law allowing 
undocumented uh, uh, immigrants to get driver's licenses. Yeah, that, that has so not, they, been fi- that's not been finalized yet, but apparently they have collected, over, according to the reports, over 100,000 signatures. In just a few months. Yeah. Uh, that That's not easy to do, and uh, I think that speaks to a lot of people out there who are not happy with that new law. Yeah. And I think there's other areas, as I indicated in that Boston Magazine article, where where people are not happy. So they, they could have been contenders this year, I think, at some level. But, uh, no, I think the conventional wisdom is right about, about uh, the fate that awaits. Let's get a couple of phone calls in for uh, John Keller here on Nightside. And, again, if you are a uh, uh, somebody who's particularly enthralled with one of these candidates, feel free to make the pitch. Let's go first off to uh, Linda in Weymouth. Hey, Linda, welcome. Your first this hour with John Keller on Nightside. Go ahead, Linda. Hi, I just, within about an hour and a half, two, came out of a, um, shall I use the word, rally? You can say rally on this program. That's, that's, that's acceptable. Who, who was the rally for? Patrick O'Connor. He's a state, state senator. Senate. Yeah, state Senate. Right. He's, he's one, of the few, one of the three Republicans, I think, in the state Senate, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah. So, and I mean, it was low-key, and it was... Uh, Maybe about 50, 75 people gathering. Um, it wasn't a hoopla thing. And um, he had a lot of his cabinets and um, people that worked for him, with him in the business offices and um, in his office there. And um, he just gave kudos to his staff. And yeah. he, he actually, believe it or not, this is a Republican in the state Senate, John, 1st Plymouth and Norfolk District down in yeah. Quincy, Weymouth, Quincy area. And I think he's the only Republican who has a primary within the Republican Party, which is sort of interesting. Hey, Linda, what's his big issue? What's the big issue he was talking about tonight? I really didn't follow it because there was conversation going on at a table. Um, okay. Okay. I have to defer off on the the, fa- the fact that he that he gets elected as a Republican uh, in in that part of the state, Quincy, Weymouth. Yeah. Uh, hats off to him. <laughs> That's, uh, but again, well, of all they, the there 40, of all th- there are plenty of districts. Well, I guess there's um there's, there's uh, one other. I, I strike that there's one other district down Cape of the Islands that has a contested uh, Republican yeah. race. <laughs> I just think it's interesting. Well. well well, those are two areas, that, that part of the South Shore, the Plymouth area, and then down the Cape, Barnstable County, where Republicans can win, yeah. even, I, even in this climate. Yeah, but uh, I, look, I look at so many of the Republican, in the, both in the House races and in other races, no nominations. Have, you think that, <laughs> that someone would say, well, instead of taking on an incumbent, <laughs> the Republican Party, I'm going to find a seat that's open. But it just stri- it strikes me odd, John. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm yeah. laughing at it. <laughs> well, one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. When you had when you had Chris Doughty, Doughty on the other day, Doughty, yep. I Doughty, um, I found that he was putting down um, Jeff Deal more than he was advocating for what he was standing for. And I got a flyer postcard, large postcard, and it almost looked like a Halloween. <laughs> invitation it says um, it was taxpayers worst nightmare Governor Maura Healy uh, who, what campaign was that from 
Um, That's Doty. Governor. That's Doty yeah. literature. Doty. Right. Well, yeah. well, Doty is looking past Neil. Doty's feeling is that he wants to establish the race. I mean, it was very clear when he talked the other night with uh, with us, John, had literally yeah. very little reference to Jeff Deal, in my opinion, other than say that Deal, Deal had lost a couple of races and that um, he was uh, he was the candidate who could beat Maura Healy or who could stand up to Maura Healy. So that's his strategy. Well, he's he's kind of looking past Jeff Deal. I didn't get a lot of input on where he was standing, but given this postcard, um, I can... He's still going for deal, but um, he has stated his position a little better than he did on your program the other day. Well, I thought he did a good job in the program, to be real honest with you. But that's that's you know different people, different different strokes with different folks. Linda, thank you much, John. I think I've jumped on you there for a second. You were making a comment or no? No, no, that's all right. No, look, Doty is doing what uh, what he can do. Uh, he can't. Uh, you know, on day one of his candidacy, it, it, the story was that he voted for uh, Hillary Clinton over yeah. Trump. And on that date, his chance of carving into the deal base, uh, I think, vanished. Yeah. So at this point, he's left to try to persuade independents who may be right leaning or uh, interested in jumping into the Republican primary uh, that uh, and also any Republicans he can still get who aren't uh, in the Trump camp to say, well, you know, maybe I uh, I don't like the fact that he voted for Hillary or I don't like Charlie Baker. But you know what? Uh, uh, we've got to stop more Healy. Was he asked uh, that just, question? I mean, obviously, if he voted for Hillary Clinton uh, in 2016, was he asked that question and he answered the question? Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, that's okay. right. Uh, just as Jeff Deal uh, uh, some years ago acknowledged that he voted for Joe Biden in a Democratic presidential primary. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 interesting so, that that those those folks don't say, "Hey, uh, you know who I voted for is my business." And but anyway, whatever. I mean, let's I guess, face it, Dan. Every every closet has a skeleton in it, right? <laughs> I guess, unless so, that means if you're a Republican, you can never vote for a Democrat. If you're a Democrat, you can never vote for a Republican. That's sort of sad. My guest is John Keller. We got more phone calls coming in for John right after this on Nightside. Stay with us. Now back to Dan Ray, live from the Window World Nightside Studios on WBZ News Radio. John, let's go back to the calls. Let me go to Steve in Cambridge. Steve in Cambridge, you're on with John Keller. Go right ahead, Steve. The last Democrat I voted for was John Silver. 1990? 1990, yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so, I, I still regret that he didn't become governor. <laughs> it, would, it, would have, it would have been a very interesting four years, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Remember, Dan, he... Go, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, John. Go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, remember... Uh, down the stretch of that race, when it looked like he was going to win, they put him on the cover of Newsweek as the face of a rising new Democratic majority. And uh, there was all this buzz about, wow, if he wins this thing, he could wind up running for president. <laughs> well, af that would have been two years after Mike Dukakis. I, I think they, <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> that the National Democrats wanted to invest in another. Dan, Dan and John, I think you're underestimating, underestimating Doty. Um, I think he's very on message. Um, I think he uh, is actually unnerved. Um, 
the Attorney General, Maura Healey, uh, I mean, I don't think she's biting her nails, but I think she's a little bit worried about some of the comments she's made in the past that Doty is um, bringing to the attention of people, like her comment that uh, a forest has to burn before it uh, becomes... Uh, before it can grow. Before it can grow, referring to all the rioting that occurred in 2020. Yeah. And her comments about taxes. So I think Doty is, is really on message, and he's, he's certainly it's an uphill battle for him. But what do you think, yeah. John? Uh, look, he's, he's not a bad, for, for a first-time candidate, uh, I think he's not bad at all and has acquitted himself well. But, uh, I, I, you know, uh, it, it obviously, uh, the cliche alert here, it depends on who shows up to vote. But uh, within the Republican primary universe, I just find it hard to believe that he can get close to, to deal in the end. We'll find out, right? Yeah. John, one thing that I took uh, a little umbrage at you saying was um, you were talking about elevating, um, you know, female and particularly black candidates. Yeah. Uh, my sister lives in Baltimore, Maryland. The last three mayors of Baltimore have all been black females. The most recent one is now in jail. And the other two were big disappointments. And the attorney general, I think they call it the attorney general, Marilyn Mosby. The city, they is, call it the city attorney. She is under investigation. Under so I think under it can go a little too far to say the candidate is female and black and therefore we're going to vote for her. I think it's... Uh, Certainly in Baltimore, it's really ended up badly. Yeah, I'm aware of, of that, of what's gone on down there. I would just say, you know, here, however, we're talking about people like Tanisha Sullivan and Andrea Campbell, who are, uh, you know, quality candidates. Let's put it that way. So uh, the point I was making, I guess, is that uh, uh, there's a lot of lip service paid to promoting black women and other people of color into political power but you know where's the beef i guess we'll like i say we'll see come tuesday yeah, but by by the way um just to remind you steve that marilyn mosby uh, the city attorney as they call it down there uh, she's a graduate of dover sherman high school and boston college law school so even though she's from Baltimore, she has some some Boston roots, by the way. Just to... well, she's got some legal problems. Yes, now, well, she's that. been indicted. Yeah, and as does her husband down there as well, who's I think the president of the city council. It, it makes Boston politics look pristine. Compared... <laughs> hey, uh, Steve, as always, thank you much. Want to get a thank least you, gentlemen. Here. Okay, thanks. Talk to thank you. you. Good night. Let me go to Jonathan in Manchester, New Hampshire. Jonathan, feel free. You are on with John Keller on Nightside. Go right ahead, Jonathan. <laughs> This is a like a dream come true. I, I'm 41 years old, and I grew up listening to both of you guys. <laughs> I was a kind of a nerd in my teens, and I remember. I mean, my gosh, I go back with Keller all the way back to WLVI. And, uh, oh my gosh! I, I, think that, I think the two of you need to be on the ticket. That's it. <laughs> I think the two of you, um, governor and lieutenant governor, and you guys can flip to see who, because you are the two that I've respected the most over the years for politics. Jonathan, thank you very much. I'll only say if nominated, I will not run. If, if elected, I will not serve. But. What do you think, Dan? You want to ride around? You want to ride around in an SUV with me for four years? How's that sound? <laughs> oh, sure. that'd be great. <laughs>
Come on. We could Come talk. On. We you could... guys could do wonders for the state of Massachusetts together. Yeah, the problem is I think we're probably unelectable. <laughs> yes, to say the least. I don't think I think that a lot more people have a lot more respect for you for both of you than you than you would ever think. Well, Jonathan, you're extremely kind, and I, I, I really mean that. And uh, what do you do up in New Hampshire? I, are you involved in politics up there, or are you? Uh, uh, you I'm, know, I'm not. Do you I, have I, an I, honest living? Um, I should back say. When I lived in, back yeah. when I was in Ossipee, New Hampshire, I did. I, I served on like the planning board, the zoning boards, what? and stuff like that. And I did run for selectman once, but now I just work. <laughs> and nothing wrong. You know what? I realized. I realized I don't want to be involved in politics. Well, I'll tell you, you're in a great state, and um, I will tell you that I think you have the best governor in the country in Chris Sununu, in my opinion. He's a a great governor. He really is. Um, But, you know, being in New Hampshire, I mean, I'm from Malden originally, and so I still am very much involved in, you know, the political landscape of Massachusetts, and, you know, it, it... it's not just Massachusetts that's affected by who the governor is. So, well, Jonathan, let me ask you: This is your first time calling the show? No, I've called. I've called you many times. Okay, well, you keep calling, please, and uh, and I, I am honored that you would call tonight and even put me in the same category as John Keller. So, thank you very much. Oh my gosh, it's, it's literally like a dream come true to talk to both of you <laughs> at the same in the same setting because. You know, I really did grow up respecting the two of you the most. All right. Thanks, Jonathan, so much. Thank you. you. You're very Have kind. Have a great night, guys. <laughs> we, we, we can't end. Thanks, Jonathan. We cannot end with a better call than that, John Keller. Uh, you're um, you're going to be following this, and uh, I hope we can do this again between now and, uh, and, and certainly the final election in November. I think we've set the table pretty well. Uh, let's see what people do next uh, n- next Tuesday night. Will you be, I'm assuming you're you're on air Tuesday night. I hope. Yes, I'll be on uh, on uh, uh, the CBS News Boston streaming news on uh, uh, channel 38 at 10, and then on the 11 o'clock news on channel four. And look, you know, Dan, it's an election. After all the months and months of endless bloviating yeah. by pundits, by candidates, uh, uh, by pollsters. You get to actually, the people actually get to speak. It's always exciting, even it if, always it's, is. Uh, if it's a midsummer or a late summer election. <laughs> you got it. John Keller, thank you so much. And uh, we'll look forward to reading in full the Boston Magazine article uh, that you have penned this month, The um, Purpling of Massachusetts. Thanks, John Keller. I appreciate it so much. Thank you, Dan. Talk to you soon. Great, John Keller here on Nightside. When we come back, we're going to talk about some comments that President Biden uh, made at a fundraiser in Maryland the other night, which I don't think did a whole lot to bring the country together. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.